knows he's a liar. But you, I just stop. Have you ever wondered how anyone could be unified with everything that's going on? If your family's like mine, you've probably wished for a fresh start more than once. Maybe that's your wish right now. On this week's episode, we're going to take some preliminary steps toward agriculture, literally a culture rooted in the land. And we'll see how wholeness, oneness, unity goes way beyond the family farm. If you're like us, you'll see that the road leads to community. That is, a people in real relationships built on vulnerability, trust, and a life lived together. I just spent the last three weeks with Butch Tyndall shooting an audiovisual about my three acres in the country, absorbing the wisdom he gained from four decades in the field of agriculture. Now I want to share it with you. Come with me as I take the long journey from city to country, from modern to timeless, from certainty to the unknown. I want to formally welcome you. I'm Joseph Clark, and this is The Wilderness. I want to go over this context thing again. I want to run through that uh, that idea. You're talking about context, and I failed to grasp what you were talking about. So my my answer, my immediate answer, my context was: I want this to be a closed loop, this holistic loop, this 3.29 acres that we're going to look at. I want everything to feed everything, so no waste. Everything is life is begetting life, as as you said. And I want it to minister to and unify my family. I want us to have a common purpose and a common goal and a common story over time. This trajectory that says we showed up and it was a knee-high, snake-ridden wilderness. And now it's tamim. Now everything's in its place. It's together. And I want it to actually feed us. I do want there to be real food coming off of it. Even to the point where it's so abundant we have to give away or sell some of what we have each year. And you were saying that that is not the context, that those are actions. Help me understand that. Flesh it out for me again, please. So <clears throat> you made those decisions. You made those decisions. And what they can lead us to many times is they put us in a box. Okay, so you say you want a closed loop. So that necessarily eliminates maybe doing things like in the short term using a chemical fertilizer when that may get us towards our wholeness quicker and more effectively than saying well I'm not going to do anything but my own compost okay so so that decision if we're if we're using that as our context if we're using that decision as our context now we've boxed ourselves in where we can't utilize a tool that might be very helpful to us. So now uh, I want to take a, a quick pit stop here because we just made a, a, a moral decision by saying we're only going compost and we're not going to go chemical fertilizer. What we said is we set up a rule that is held completely by our conviction. Right. And, and the stopping point is my decision. Right. Right, so it's, it's technically speaking, it's malleable, and I could go back on what I had said, so it's not in stone. 
And so you're talking about a context goes deeper than even the decision to go only compost. We're doing no-till, uh, totally organic. Yeah. Those things are decisions that I made that are not necessarily backed by anything but a, just this decision. A principle. It's a principle. Many times a principle, but it's, it's, it, it can deter us sometimes from gaining that wholeness. And sometimes we need to get there a little quicker, and maybe we can utilize something that doesn't appear to be according to our decision to never use this or that. But when we're when we see that our what we're what we're trying to the, the place we're trying to come to is wholeness, then is and we use and I think I sent you some testing decisions. And you go there's just testing questions. So you go through this is is this going to achieve this? Is it going to, and if it gets us there and we're able to then progress much more quickly and sometimes that 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 thereby being more financially more economically viable then that contributes to the overall wholeness okay. even, even though that even though that you know may go against what we you know we didn't want to use chemical fertilizers and so you have to look at those i mean if you said well, we're going to use 2,4-D, you know, because the weeds are way out of control and we need to control these weeds. So we're going to use 2,4-D. Well, you've got to really look at all, and, and, and that's what's difficult when we're talking about particularly chemicals. We don't fully understand many times the long-term ramifications of those things. And so it may gain us our short-term goal, but have a long-term lasting effect that we don't want. Okay, so we've got to consider that. But there may, there may be another, you know, something that we could use that is maybe doesn't have that long-term effect, you know, maybe a, a chemical. So we do our research, we look at it and say, well, you know, using um, uh, maybe some triple phosphate or some... Uh, uh, ammonium nitrate, some chemical fertilizer, you know, that we've done enough research and we know that it's going to have, it's going to give us a little bit of a boost here, but it's not going to have a long-term uh, lasting effect upon the soil. But it's going to get us where we need to go. So if we, we have already prejudiced our decisions by saying we're never using chemical, any kind of chemical on the place, we may have shortchanged our ability to reach wholeness, you know, and and wholeness is the that's the context. I, that, that's what I'm hearing you say. That's that's what we're trying to accomplish. That's that I don't even want to use the word accomplish. That's that's the framework within which I'm making my decisions. As Christians, we have a context from which we make our decisions, and and that determines what those decisions. Are going to you know how we're going to decide uh, how we're going to discriminate discern between this or that uh, and so that is it's not that we didn't reach this decision I mean we did make a decision to be Christians 
but it's a determination of who we are. Okay, and then who we are determines what we do. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. And I'm starting to see something come to light here too. So now we're talking about wholeness, which is as opposed to something else. So for instance, I could take this land and we could make our goal to make money. Right. Right. So that would be another one. So they're actually opposed. Those two concepts are saying if our, if our goal, so there, there can only be one framework. And if the framework of everything is purely economical, we'll make decisions based on that. Exactly. And, and we'll make decisions based on wholeness if we're saying our context, our right. framework is wholeness. So in that example, money may reach one of our goals because, you know, we're not in sustainability. You're not sustainable. You're not regenerative unless you're economically, ecologically, and socially. I mean, it's, it's all of those that, that come together. And so you can be ecologically sustainable, but economically a failure. So that's going to have a long-term consequence of your farm failing. Okay, so we, we've got to have, by the same token, if you make the decision just on the basis of economics, then that's going to lead you to make decisions of what's most uh, efficient. What's most efficient? And let's get a tractor, let's use chemicals, let's do all that. And it's going to have a long-term consequence of a lack of wholeness, therefore a lack of sustainability, a lack of being able to perpetuate this into the future. Uh, it's eventually going to play out because it didn't take into account the other factors. When we look at wholeness, uh, oneness, it brings all of that into play. It brings all of that. We, we've got to take into account all of that. And so, you know, you look at your quality of life, you know, that's, that's what you're looking for. You're, you, you, you said that you want uh, these things, and I can't quote what you said, these things for your family. And behind all that, what that is, is you want a certain quality of life. You want there, there to be a wholeness, you know, to be a oneness between you and the Lord, between you and your family, between you and the land and the animals on the land, you know, bringing it all together, a, a, a oneness, a wholeness. And so that's the context within which you make your decision that leads you to make certain decisions. And if we keep that, um, at, with, with, we keep an understanding of that, um, most of the time it's going to help keep us from making decisions. That's again why we call it a framework for our decisions. It's going to keep us from making decisions that may lead us to a short-term positive outcome, but a long-term uh, long-term it pulls us away from where we're where we're wanting to go. So and now my I feel like my eyes are being opened here too. So the, the, let's just say that, that I'm sure there are other approaches, but let's just say the two frameworks we've been working with, money and the the. Uh, a, a business coming out of this versus wholeness. I'm seeing that, as you shared, if wholeness is the framework, then we actually, the, the byproduct of that will be an economic sustainability. However, if we put money as the prime product, we lose wholeness and unity. Yes. It, 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 this is not, uh, wholeness is not on the road to money. 
right? But sustainability in the economical vector is on the road to wholeness. Yes. And so again, we're seeing a superior framework in wholeness over the prime product being money. Right. So all the byproducts of wholeness we're going to enjoy, they're going to be necessary for life, even in the modern context of the economy we're situated in. But that wholeness ultimately is going to bear all of the fruit that we're looking for. Right. See, now I'm starting to understand right. why this is the superior context and even what a context is. Right, right. And, and your, your word byproduct is very appropriate because most of the time we focus on results and byproducts failing to understand what is it that produces that. What product, what produces that result, that byproduct? What produces that? It's a desire for wholeness, a desire for oneness. You know, that's what leads us. And, and that's the framework that helps us to make the correct decisions. We still make, we're still learning because this, this is this process of seeing it um, and understanding it and coming to a greater comprehension of it. But still, it helps us to, to, to make the right decisions. Well, that is very helpful. I come to this from just a, a, a task-based perspective, and I'm having to change that. And I think that's, that's just our culture. That's, that's who we are. That's the way we were trained. That's the way we're educated is to focus on the results, the goals. We want to be goal-oriented. And, um, and I, I think that's noble, but it many times leads us down the wrong path and, uh, and sometimes making decisions because we're seeking a certain result instead of being consistent with whom we are called to be. And, uh, and then that, that, that helps us. That leads us into making uh, decisions that are consistent with who we are. And that's what we're looking for. We want to be consistent with who we are. And, and so in this beginning process, determining who you are is a very important thing. And that's part of this land. This, I think we said this earlier you, you, your ideas, your concepts, your perceptions are part of the ecosystem. They're going to have an impact. In one of the first parameters that we're looking at to go through this process of bringing this land to what it needs to be is that, that parameter of climate. And that's not just the climate, as we said last time, not just the climate of the biosphere, but it's the climate within our own mind, our own social context, our familial context. That, that's what um, is our climate. And we, we work within those, that climate and, um, and make our decisions from that. So if we want this, this, this is going, Gabe Brown said something, uh, 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 we were together about a few months ago Gabe Brown, he's an author and a farmer from North Dakota. And he said something that was very convicting. He said, you know your farm is a reflection of you. And so if we want this to be a reflection of, reflection of us, we have to know who us is. And so that's why this step is so important. You know, that's why 
coming to a, a deeper understanding of what it is that we are called to. If we feel called, if you feel called, if this is the place that God has placed you, then, then we need to understand who that is. And, and that, that word place is kind of interesting to me, particularly when you look at the word context, because context is a word con with text. Same word that we use textile. So it's within the tapestry, within the weaving, that we make our decisions. And so we have to determine what is it? How has God woven us together? What is the fabric, you know, within which we're making our decisions? We have to see that. And, uh, and so this is going to be a reflection. So it's, this step is very important to understand. And I know it seems like uh, we're getting real philosophical and like, come on, let's get on to the nuts and bolts. And that, that's, we really can sometimes spend too much time in this phase and then have paralysis by analysis. Okay? We can, we can get here and we can just be, you know, so focused on this and getting in the philosophy of it that we, 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 we lose uh, where we're really, we're, we lose what we're trying to accomplish here. So we don't want to get overly focused on it, but we do want to have an understanding of who we are, what God's called us to be, what God's called this land to be, and our, and therefore our place in husband, husbanding this and bringing it to the place that God has called it, called us to. So, what what I'm hearing from you too is that there's some, there's something I want to draw out a little bit, is that when I got to this land, like I keep I keep joking, you know, it was just this waist high wilderness full of snakes and you know uh, cockroaches and scorpions and a dilapidated old farmhouse and two barns that were about to fall over. And we have felt that what you shared so much in our family that it's really been a picture of our family. When we showed up, we were forced to live in a very small house on the property in tight conditions. The rain made it impossible for us to walk around because the gumbo was so thick, uh, that, that Blackland Prairie, you couldn't walk through it. And so we, as we started to see the land come about in a greater order, as we were able to work it over here and mow down this section and put up some fruit trees, we saw that little bit of order. Well, our family began to become ordered as well at, at almost the same exact pace. It really was. So I think a lot of people may hear, you know, who are you? And they may say, well, I need to make a list because I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, that would be my first reaction. Um, a couple of years ago, before I started coming into the context of this community, where so many folks, such as yourself, are, are long in the, uh, the working of the land. And I didn't know who I was. Um, I had an idea of where I was going. Uh, and I needed help to do that. And so it seems to me that the framework of coming to the land and saying, I myself am a waist-high wilderness full of snakes and and whatnot, and saying, I'm going to be on a trajectory toward wholeness that both the land and you will be formed by that, and that you're, and that you're not trying to conform to each other, but that you're both going to be um, moving toward wholeness, uh, moving toward something like perfection um, in sort of, there's this dream in the future, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I was, I was t- telling my wife about this recently, about some relationship issues we'd had in the house. And I said, you know, when we drive down that driveway, there's a big yellow dumpster. There's a house under construction. There's these weeds over here and a couple of fruit trees that aren't really doing too well. I said, if we show up and we see the mess, we're going to be bogged down and we're just going to want to give it up. 
But if you show up with that, that, the dreamer's eye that sees into the future and sees where we're going, we're going to have hope, we're going to have faith, we're going to have renewed energy, we're going to want to move forward and knock down every obstacle that's in our way. We're going to have a fervor and a zeal. And that's exactly what our relationships need to be. I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about, about the land ministering to us, is that there's, a, there's an us that, you know, the sons of God are waiting to be revealed. Right? There's an us in the future that has not yet materialized, and we need to go through difficult processes to get there. So when I hear you say, who are we? It seems to me like more of a trajectory than a static being. Exactly. That's moving. It's a journey. Yeah. It's your wholeness is a journey. And we move from faith to faith, from glory to glory. So there's this revelation. We walk by revelation. And even with the land, it's not only revealing us to us the invisible attributes of God, it's revealing things about us. It's a context within which God can move. That's why God placed us in a garden. And we can begin to see Him and, in a different way. And it is that journey that you're talking about. It is a journey of revelation, continually walking and, and as the kingdom is advancing because we're seeing it in a greater and greater way. And so this is, this is the beauty of it, that... that it reveals that. It reveals that ongoing revelatory walk that we're called to walk. That is who we are. You know, I, I feel bound to this trajectory that we're on right now, even in these conversations, because we, we set out to do something about farming and to do something about homesteading and something practical. And I know we're going to get there, but I feel like we can't divorce it from our perspectives and our, and our our right. faith toward God. There's a relationship here that is transcendent, that is narrating and, and binding and, uh, and energizing every aspect of this thing. And I think when we said before that one of our major hurdles into uh, that we must overcome in order to be homesteaders, to be able to work on the land, is our mindset. And our culture is just exactly what you talked about. It's that fragmented, fractured way of looking at things and looking at things compartmentalized segments and instead of seeing the fullness the wholeness the oneness of it you know that's bringing us into that place of oneness and it, it, our culture has just really um, uh, influenced us to such an extent that we see things in a very fragmented way we want to break it down and that's what we've got to come back to, to see the wholeness of it and be able to see that how we're connected to it and it's connected to us. And that's, that's, that's the paradigm shift. We call it a paradigm. That's, a paradigm is one's perspective. And so that paradigm shift has to occur before we're going to be able to be very effective in husbanding the land. You know, and I heard you talk about something that threw me for a loop when I first came here, and that's the, the breaking down. So we don't want fragmentation, we want wholeness. Those are at complete opposites, but we're not talking about breaking down into bite-sized pieces so you can eat a meal. We're talking about breaking down and saying this is everything. And that's why you had me go beyond saying we'll never use chemical fertilizer to saying we're moving toward wholeness, which ultimately is moving toward a compost-based system, but may allow for fertilizer on the way. 
so we're not talking about how we never break anything down and we don't make and we, we you have to eat the whole elephant on day one. You can take little bites, but we're not breaking it down and saying an elephant is just the toenail. That's it. Right. That's it. Yes, there's the, that old parable you probably know of that probably comes from, I'm not sure where, but there's 12 blind men standing around the elephant, yeah. right? And this guy is holding the tail. He says, an elephant is long and skinny and furry. And the other guy's got the trunk. He says, it's, it's long and it's kind of moist and it's very muscular. And they're all saying, this is what an elephant is. But what people fail to see in that allusion is that there's somebody narrating the story and that person is not blind and can see the entirety of the elephant. Right. And that's why... Our relationship with the Lord is so critical because we don't have that supervision. We don't have that perspective. And so we have to stay in connection with Him and with each other. With each other. Because others are going to see things that we don't see. You know, that's the beauty of being able to walk through these things together. That's why not only is the land a wonderful context to learn about the invisible attributes of, of the Lord, it also necessarily puts us into relationship with other people. If we're really looking at wholeness, if we're not going to be fragmented, if we're going to run the land, operate the land behind a big tractor and a combine, then, you know, it's not going to be whole because we've severed ourselves from one of the most important aspects of the land, and that's each other. Having a community that functions, you know, like, you know, in the old days, you couldn't thresh wheat if you didn't have neighbors because you all you had a threshing ring. You did things together. And so it brings us into that context. And so that context um, of that community, again, here we're talking about context, they will see things that I'm not seeing. They're going to come onto this property and they're going to immediately see something that maybe because I'm there every day, I never see. You know, or they're going to have a certain perspective. They're going to have their experience. They're going to have something that's going to cause them to see something about it that, that, is, that I'm blinded to. And so that is part of our context, too, is that when, when you sit down and you, I guess, make an inventory or whatever, being a part of a community necessarily gives you the blessing of having other people, other perspectives, so that then you do have uh, a greater uh, perspective on everything. As I said, we don't have supervision, but being connected with God and with our brothers and sisters, we're going to be able to see in a greater way than if it's our singular vision. And you're talking about a group of people who are really committed to something because even just neighbors that will say, I'll help you with this, I'll help you with that. You know, if, if one family falls apart and you're trying to do a certain type of work on the land, a large weeding project or something, it, it can so easily fall apart. And so I felt a few months ago, as you know, that I needed to get a scythe. I had to get a scythe. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Caleb Nolan made me my blade. And I made the snath with Dylan McMahon, and it was from scratch, except for a couple of machined parts we bought from the internet uh, to bind the two together. I went out, and I just I had all this wheat, big juicy heads of wheat, and it wasn't yet hard. It was in that almost hard dough stage, and I was out there hacking away at it, and I felt the grace. It felt great on my body. I was cutting it down, and by the end of my 45 minutes in the morning, I had barely gotten any of it down. 
And not only was was it a small amount down, I still needed to sheave it and shock it. And then once it was sheaved and shocked, then I needed to go off and beat it. And, uh, you know, it was so clear to me that the scythe itself had positioned me in the middle of a community, which was not there. Right. And it's what you need. And I I looked up Thomas Jefferson kept a journal and so did his uh, his groundskeeper. And they did a wheat harvest every year, like everyone else in the world did at this time. And he had two cooks he had hired. He had 20 teenage boys and five men with scythes just to and just to get the first day's work done. And they sheaved and shocked it. And then after a few days, they all came back together to um, to put it through the riddle, you know, and they had somebody winnowing with a big sheet and whatnot. And then after that, you had to take it over to the tribulum to be ground up. And then somebody had to even turn it into a tasty bread. I mean, it was two weeks before anybody sat down and ate anything. But what I saw there was that me feeling this draw to the scythe, the scythe wasn't the answer. The scythe was taking me to a place of need mm-hmm. for a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what the the land gives us. We see our need for others and for a, a bigger perspective. Thank you so much for listening to the second episode of The Wilderness. If you're looking to find us online, our website is homesteadgeneralstore.com. Stay subscribed for future episodes. We're just getting started. Here's what's coming next week. Yeah, most people, that is the number one problem. I get people come to our class and they say, you know, we bought a piece of land, we plowed up an acre for a garden, we got two dozen chickens and ten goats, and plus we're working full time in town. <laughs> And we're, we're here because it's all failed. <laughs> that is exactly the premise of the show. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where most people. I said, well, let's let's go through and look at what we've, you know, what you want to accomplish, what you need to accomplish, and let's 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 develop a plan.